When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Hero Leader and Kentucky.com. On today's podcast, we're going to have my weekly review with my fellow sports columnist at the Hero Leader, Mark Story. We talked about Kentucky football's 34-17 win over Vanderbilt. And then also we talked some Kentucky basketball. We talked about Kentucky's uh, loss to Duke last week in the Champions Classic 79-71 and then their win over Robert Morris on Friday night at Rupp Arena. The Cats won that game 100-60. to Before I get to my conversation with Mark, I want to encourage you to check out the Sports Pass, sports-only digital subscription to Kentucky.com. You get all of our Kentucky football, basketball, recruiting. You get columns by Mark and myself. You get our high school coverage, uh, UK women's basketball coverage. You get it all for $30 for the first year. Go to my Twitter feed. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Clay IV. Go to the top of the feed. Click on the pin tweet there. It'll take you where you need to go to check out the offer. $30 for the first year for the Sports Pass, sports-only digital subscription to Kentucky.com. Or you can go to Kentucky.com, hit on the subscription tab there, and check out all the offers, all the subscription offers for Kentucky.com and the Lexington Herald Leader. We appreciate everybody who supports our work at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. appreciate everybody who supports this podcast, which you can listen to on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. Really appreciate that as well. Drop me a line at jclay at herald-leader.com with any kind of thoughts on the on the podcast or anything we do at Kentucky.com and the Lexington Herald Leader. So now that we have that out of the way, let's get to my conversation with Mark Story of the Herald Leader at Kentucky.com where we talk a little Kentucky football and a little Kentucky basketball. Okay, my guest on the podcast is my friend and colleague and fellow Herald Leader Sports columnist Mark Story. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing good, John. Uh, Kentucky, we're, we're going to talk about Kentucky football and basketball. We'll start with football with uh, the game last night. Vanderbilt, Kentucky wins 34-17. Excellent first half, not so excellent in the second half. Which do you think was more important, Mark, uh, what we think about this team, the way they played in the first half, or should we judge them on what happened in the second half? Well, I think the first half was more important just because, I mean, they were coming off a three-game losing streak and they were ready to play. And, you know, Vanderbilt is a struggling program, entered that game having lost 18 SEC games. Or else you want to come out and get on top of them and not give them any hope. And that's what Kentucky did. And, you know, the first half was 
you know, probably as well as Kentucky's played. Now, you know, obviously the competition was not super high, but it is an SEC road game. And, you know, they went out and took care of business. You know, I thought, you know, as Mark Stoops likes to say, complimentary football, I thought they played it in that first half. So, and then, so what do you think happened in the second half? I think they let down a little bit. Now, I think the thing that is worrisome is, you know, Vanderbilt switched to a, kind of a dual threat quarterback and he gave them problems. Right. And, um, you know, with, I think everybody will be, you know, just stunned beyond belief if Kentucky doesn't take care of business against one in nine New Mexico state. But, you know, Louisville with, you know, Malik Cunningham is a good quarterback and he is pretty dynamic and, that I think that was I think if you're looking for something to worry about out of that Vanderbilt game, the trouble they had with Mike Wright is a little worse. Yeah, uh, Vandy made the switch at halftime. <clears throat> Went from Ken Seals, who's more of a uh, drop back uh, passing quarterback, to Mike Wright, who's more of a playmaker as quarterback. Yeah, they had uh, Vandy scored on back to back touchdown drives. They scored Kentucky fourteen to three in the second half. I'm with you. I think they Kentucky let down a little. Uh, which is kind of human nature, uh, keep the throttle going uh, in the second half. I I thought, but I thought, I'm like, you. Yeah, I thought the first half was more important. Uh, I like the way Levis played. Uh, defense, Jalen Geiger, pick six. Interesting that Mark made a change in his safeties. Uh, Geiger got the start. I guess I would assume that that had a lot to do with he was not happy with the way they play, his safeties played against Tennessee. Yeah, it, you know, he Mark normally won't call out players by name in to the media, but he was pretty clear he wasn't happy with Terrell Asian right from that Tennessee game. I mean, he didn't use the name, but everything but, and it looked like, and it you know, I have a hard time feeling confident. I'm on top of all who's starting and who's not watching the game off TV, but it also looked like Vito Tisdale started, I assume, mm-hmm. for Devonte. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think so too, and uh, I, I thought that as well. I mean, he was certainly in there early. It's hard to tell because I mean, sometimes they start with different packages instead of you know just a straight eleven. So uh, it's hard to tell. Uh, but anyway, on offense, I thought a couple of bright spots. I like the way McLean ran the ball. He ran the ball really hard. I think he's going to be a factor uh, next season, especially. And, and uh, Isaiah Cummings, I think, continues to come on. Yeah, he's becoming a weapon, and um, I agree with you on McLean. And, you know, the thing that I thought was – well, there were several things, but a big thing I thought was encouraging in that first half was, you know, when you're in a situation where you're trying to make a statement and you're just trying to get on top of a team, I thought Kentucky stars showed up and played. I thought Mm -hmm. Chris Rodriguez, you know, ran hard and did a good job. I thought Wandale made big plays. You know, Levis was sharp to start. You know, I thought Josh Pascal was active. I thought Yusuf Corker was active, and you know these are the these are your best players. And you know when you're in a tough spot, sort of trying to you know reestablish or sort of change the the recent tone of the season, you know those are the guys that need to step up, and they did. Yeah, uh, got a sack out of Rogers uh, in the uh, playing at the nose. McCall got in there. I saw him in there a little bit, but it didn't look like he played a whole lot. Or am I wrong about that? Yeah, he was. I I noticed him in some, and I. I monitor the radio broadcast and they mentioned him several times. And, you know, I, 
it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they can get him back anywhere close to where he was when he got hurt, you know, by the Louisville game, because I think he could make a big difference if you have, you know, the Marquand McCall or you had at South Carolina, you know, that, that guy was hard to block. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Mark, you do the, uh, uh, the preview of the next opponent, as you already mentioned, New Mexico State is one in nine. Uh, are they a one in nine football team? Is that is it deceiving anyway? I think I looked today and Kentucky's opened up at like a thirty six point favorite, which makes me think New Mexico State is a one in nine football team. Is that kind of when you dug into them a little bit? Is that what you found? Well, the most interesting thing about New Mexico State is their coach by Doug Martin, who right. was a former Kentucky Wildcats quarterback right. and was a quarterback uh, when I was in college at UK actually and was recruited by Fran Kersey, but started, I think, four games for Kentucky in 1982, which was Jerry Claiborne's first season, which didn't didn't go real well in the win-loss column. <laughs> and Doug tore up his knee that year and was never the same, but came back and was the holder, I think, in 83 on the team that went six, won six games and went to the Hall of Fame ball. And then his, his final year, he was like a student assistant in 84 on the, the team that won nine games and beat Tennessee and Knoxville and upset Wisconsin in the Hall of Fame ball. So, you know, he and then he was very close with Jerry Claiborne and, you know, Jerry sort of you know helped him get into coaching and, you know, Doug considered him a mentor. You know, Doug has built his career taking impossible jobs. He coached at Kent State when Kent State was just a horrible situation, and he did improve it there. They, you know, they never had a great, you know, breakout win a bunch of you know, win ten games, but they were. He he improved their program and you know, had some decent years, and then he went to New Mexico State where they haven't been in a bowl game since 1960. And in 2017, they won seven games and Doug got onto a bowl. And they beat Utah State in the Arizona Bowl. And that was a pretty big deal. But, it, you know, New Mexico State is a tremendously underfunded program. You know, I don't even think they have a full allotment of assistance. There's some kind of issue with their locker room. They've been dressing in like a tent. Wow. Um, out pitched outside and you know, Doug is in the last year of his contract. And from what I read is, you know, this is probably going to be his last year in, in this job. So, uh, to, but th- that's a very long answer to this is not a very good football team. You know, <laughs> the quarterback uh, Johnson has played, you know, fairly well. You know, they've got a, a really good linebacker who, you know, had like 13 tackles against Alabama. Um, but you know it's a, it's probably a one in nine team on merit, and it didn't help them last year. The state of New Mexico had super strict COVID um, right. restrictions, so they didn't get to play in the fall. And basically, the program was shut down. They came back and played you know two games in this past spring, uh, but you know it's just been a it's, it's a challenging situation. They're you know back to back. They played at Alabama last week, and they're at Kentucky this week, and you know, those are m- money games. I think Kentucky's paying them 1.2 million, and um, you know it's a it's a t- it's a tough situation for a coach. All right. Uh, what about the the column that you wrote after the game last night about the fans and about uh, well, not so much even the fans, but just the general feeling about the team and about here they are seven and three, but you know, especially to a lot of people, a lot of the fans, it doesn't feel like a satisfying seven and three. Uh, without giving away the whole column, and I encourage people to read it. Just talk a little bit about that. Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, if they beat New Mexico State, that's eight wins. And Kentucky has had one eight-win regular season since, you know, 1984. You know, if they beat New Mexico State and Louisville, that's a nine-win regular season. And Kentucky's had 
you know, one of those since 1984. Both of the answers to that was 2018. So in a lot of ways, you know, this is, you know, should be regarded as kind of a historically, you know, significant season. But I just think, you know, when they started 6-0 and and people looked at the back half of the schedule and maybe underestimated it a little bit, I think Mississippi State in particular has proven to be a lot better than people anticipated or thought at the time, you know, when they were evaluating Kentucky's schedule. I just think people, you know, sort of got their hearts set on, you know, winning 10 or 11 games and the, and, you know, the way they, they didn't play very well at Mississippi State. And then, you know, people here have, you know, lost, you know, a million just head scratching, heart ripping losses to Tennessee and mm-hmm. to take another one. You know, I think it soured people a little bit on the season. So, you know, I, I, I do think, you know, in a sense, it's a tribute to Mark Stoops that, you know, he's built a program that, is, has raised expectations enough that you can be sitting at seven and three, have clinched second place in the SEC East. The second time Kentucky's done that since the uh, SEC went to divisions in 1992, and and people are you know not wildly enthusiastic about the about the season at the moment. Right. Yeah. No. Well, how much I wrote for my column on Monday that's uh, you know they should they should beat New Mexico State. Uh, it's going to come down to Louisville, how people feel about the season. If they beat Louisville, like you just said, they'll have nine wins, have a chance for the 10th win in the bowl game. If they lose to Louisville, it, then you're eight and four, which by Kentucky standards is a good season. But as you mentioned, they started off six and oh. So, and Louisville's a dangerous team. Uh, they can put points on the board. Uh, their defense seems to be playing a little better. They could easily be seven and three as well. They lost a heartbreaker to Wake Forest uh, and Virginia back to back, where they could have easily won those two games. They could be a seven and three football team right now as well. Well, they lost a tough game to Clemson too. That's right. Down got stopped but, on what the two yard line at the yeah, end of the game. Yes, they're good offensively. I mean, you know, and with the way Kentucky has played defensively, you know, it, it's it, it's certainly a much, it looks like a much tougher game than I think a lot of Kentucky fans thought it was going to be for most of this season. But I agree with the premise of your column. I think in a lot of ways, if Kentucky, you know, they take care of business against New Mexico State and then you know beat Louisville. You know, I think people will get to the end and say, yeah, nine and three, you know, that's a good year. We, you know, maybe could have been better, but it could have been worse. I mean, they right. Kentucky's won a fair number of close games, too. But if they lose that game, and even though they're eight and four, you're right. They would have started six and oh, they would have lost to both Tennessee and Louisville, which for a lot of Kentucky fans are the two games that matter the most. You know, it, 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 the mood is not going to be you know, super celebratory in that scenario. No, no. But first, we got New Mexico State, which is a noon game on Saturday at Senior Day uh, at Kroger Field uh, with New Mexico State coming in. Uh, so check out our coverage for that. Uh, but I also want to talk uh, basketball with Mark, and we'll do that right after this short break. Okay, back with Mark's story, uh, my fellow sports columnist with the Arrow Leader. Uh, Kentucky played two, Kentucky men's basketball, two games last week, lost to Duke in the uh, Champions Classic 79-71 on Tuesday, came back and beat Robert Morris easily on, on Friday night, 100-60. to uh, Mark, what did you think? Well, first, let's start with the Duke game. What did you think about the Duke game, the way Kentucky played? Well, I, I, I mean – I thought there were a lot of encouraging things. I mean, Kentucky basketball, this, you know, the standard, it's hard, you know, it's, it's not a moral victory kind of program, you know, given the, how 
had bad a year they had last year. I thought there were, was a lot to be encouraged about. I think probably the biggest surprise for me was Trevor Keels, the Duke guard, mm-hmm. who I just didn't anticipate going into the game was going to be such a tough matchup. You know, they just had nobody that could keep him away from the rim. You know, Paulo Benchero, you know, was pretty much what I had expected. You know, I, I do think it would. I do think it's a little worrisome that outside Oscar Shibway, Kentucky still doesn't have much bulk up front. And I wonder if that's not going to bite them at some point. But I thought there was a lot to, you know, I thought, I thought if you look at the week as a whole, I thought there was a lot to be encouraged about. What about the play of Tata Washington in New York? Did you think he was just, just a bad first game? I mean, uh, uh, obviously a tough setting for a freshman. Duke seemed to, Duke's freshman seemed to handle it pretty well. Tata not so well, but does that say anything long-term about him? I would think not. I, you know, I thought he played really impressively in the uh, exhibition games. Now, obviously, there, you know, there's a huge difference between playing Miles College and playing Duke. Yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I, I just threw it off to a kid having a bad game, and he got off to a bad start, and maybe pressed a little bit. And I, 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 I still think he's good. Okay. What about what about the Robert Morris game? What, what did you? What were your impressions of that game on Friday? I was impressed with Kentucky in that game. I thought they, you know, showed, you know, some signs of what they could be. You know, um, Severe Wheeler, who I thought played, you know, had a double double, sixteen and ten points assist against Duke, but also turned it over seven times. Came back and didn't turn it over at all. And again, there's a huge difference in the competition. But I thought that was important. You know, Kellen Grady shot it well. You know, Oscar's just getting twenty rebounds every game, which is kind of amazing. Right. And and obviously the the Damian Collins uh aerial show was really something to see. Yeah, he played. I thought that was really encouraging the way he played uh, down the stretch. Obviously, it was not against the best competition. Robert Morris, you know, kind of a struggling team. I think they went four and fifteen or something like that last year. Yeah, they were bad last year, and basically a brand new team. You know, they even went heavier into the transfer portal than Kentucky. Yeah, they they had lost their opener down at Central Florida uh, on Wednesday night. Flew up to Lexington on Thursday, and then uh, played the game there on Friday night. Um, but no, but one thing you said earlier, and I agree hundred percent. It's a little worrisome. You've got Oscar who's getting, you know, twenty rebounds a game, double digit offensive rebounds a game, but who's gonna help him out underneath? And they look like uh, during the broadcast with the Duke game, at one time Jay Billis said, you know, Kentucky's awfully thin on the floor. And I don't think he meant in numbers, I think he meant <laughs> in stature. Uh still not a lot of bulk on this team. How do you compensate for that with this team? Well, you have to hope that quickness and athleticism can compensate. But, you know, yeah, that was a problem last year. They right. just had a lot of tall, thin guys. And while Oscar is certainly a one person addressing that, there's still beyond him a lot of tall, thin guys. Yeah, Collins is tall and thin. Uh, I think, you know, I think Jacob Toppin could help him out there. Uh, but he missed the game the other night with a shoulder injury. I thought he played pretty well uh, against Duke. Uh, yeah, I, I I, yeah, I agree. I think he. I think he is. A, I think he's a good player, mm-hmm. and I think he's an important player to their season. I thought the other encouraging thing about uh, I thought they shot three okay at, against Duke, but they shot it really well the other night against Robert Morris. Kellen Grady shot well. Davion Mintz shot it well. Uh, I do think I think three point shooting will be a strength on this team. But then we find out over the weekend that C.J. Frederick is uh, likely out for the season. He's going to have. Uh, surgery on his hamstring he's the transfer from iowa who's a 
uh, excellent outside shooter, perimeter shooter. How much will that hurt, you think, not having Frederick? Well, I think it hurts just in terms of what sort of envisioned back in the summer because, you know, C.J. Frederick, the former Covington Catholic star, former state tournament MVP, Gatorade, Kentucky High School Player of the Year, can really shoot the ball. And he's also a really good passer. I mean, the thing with him at Iowa, if you dug into their advanced offensive metrics, they were a whole lot better with him on the floor than when he wasn't. And, you know, I thought there was some chance he could have that impact at Kentucky. Now, you know, obviously he's been hurt you know, pretty much the entire time since he's been here. So it's not like you're losing somebody that had become key to what you were doing. Right. You know, mostly I just, you know, hate it for him because, you know, he transferred, you know, I guess back to the state where he played high school basketball and not to get a chance to play. You know, it's, yeah. it's disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. But I do think they have other guys who can maybe not, maybe not, Maybe not quite as well, and maybe not being my the passer that he is. But I, I think they showed the other night they've got some shooters, uh, especially with Grady and Mint shot the ball well. And you have Dante who had a couple of three Dante Allen who had a couple of three pointers the other night. So it may be that they wouldn't be like totally reliant on his three point shooting by not having him in there. Yeah, I think they are. I mean, I, I think they still should be a good perimeter team. And for the reasons we talked about earlier, only having sort of one guy with much bulk, they need to be a good perimeter team. Right, yeah. <laughs> right, because they don't have much <laughs> They don't have much uh, underneath. But uh, the other guy, I think, who's kind of gotten off to a slow start, and Cal kind of talked about it the other day, but we were hearing back, and Cal kind of alluded to this the other day, was that Bryce Hopkins early on in training camp looked really good. He's gotten off to a slow start. He's not the tallest guy. He's not like for tallest guy when you think of like for a power forward, but he does seem like a strong guy who can get in there and maybe battle for some rebounds. Yeah, he is a guy that is, you know, that would bring some thickness. I, you know, it's, it's interesting kind of figuring, projecting him into a position. Is he kind of a small right. stretch four? You know, is he kind of a bulky three? It's just, you know, it's interesting figuring out, you know, kind of where to slot him. But you're right. He, you know, in the the kind of preseason buzz, you know, he had been one of the buzz players. And so far, at least, that hasn't shown. But, you know, I don't, you know, it, we are on such an accelerated track here at Kentucky where because guys, you know, we're with all the one and done guys. It's like, if you aren't an immediate star, it's like, you know, what's, you know, what's going on. Yeah. Sometimes it just takes guys some time. Right. Uh, a couple of games this week, they got Mount St. Mary's on Tuesday. They play Ohio university on Friday, anything in between, you know, that, really, I don't think they're play a game where there's going to be a whole lot of a challenge till they go to Notre Dame. But what are you looking uh, – What do you anything in particular you'll be looking for this week in the two games? I think Ohio may be a sneaky good game. You know, they beat Belmont in their opener, and Belmont's good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that could be – I think that could be of these next stretch of non-marquee games, I think this may be the toughest. Um, yeah. You know, you just – you know, I think you just want to see them, you know, keep improving, play well. And sort of develop and kind of you know how they're going to play you know get comfortable in a style of play and and just see guys individually you know, moving forward and seeing you know them become a, a cohesive team you know I keep thinking because they do have so many veterans albeit not a lot of veterans who've played together that the early season you know melding period which I know frustrates the fans you know, maybe won't last as long maybe they'll get to what they're going to be a little quicker. Yeah. Well, one thing, the two exhibition games and the other night, they're not anywhere close to full. Plenty of empty seats. Uh, 
should we make anything of that? I mean, they were Friday night games. You've got high school football going on. You have other things going on. Um, should we make it? Is that a worrisome thing if you're if you're a UK if you're Mitch Barnard in the UK administration or not? Well, you know, it's been going on for a couple of years. You know, I, I wonder somewhat if it's tied into the pandemic. You know, one thing that was interesting to me, Kentucky's football crowds this year were tremendous. The home crowds, you know, all four of the SEC games, they were just tremendous crowds. You know, when, when you know, are people more reluctant to go indoors, you know, because of the pandemic? I don't know. Yeah. I, I, we'll find out, you know, when they play somebody good. Yeah, right. um, but, you know, yeah, I think it's a somewhat worrisome just because it's, you know, it, it's the continuation or maybe a, a trend that's being enhanced a little bit. You know, I know just from the email I get, a lot of the season ticket holders are really angry about these early season games. They feel like they're paying, you know, a normal price and not getting fair value. And I think, to some extent, the fans are sort of voting on these games uh, against directional schools and you know teams from leagues down the quote unquote food chain. They're sort of sort of voting by by not by not showing up. No, yeah, I agree. I think it's right now anyway. We'll see what happens, but it's more. Uh, I think they'll show up for the big games. I think they'll show up for the SEC games. I think it'll be packed for those games. But I wonder if they're at the point now where, you know, if they're playing a team that's not a marquee name that people think they should handle easily, it's just so easy to stay at home and watch it on the SEC network or whatever network it's on. And I think COVID may have last year where most people, you know, very limited crowd at Rupp, you know, you get in that habit of doing that, uh, you know, it's it's pretty easy. Well, I don't want to fight the traffic. I want to go down there and you know uh, uh, sit in those sit in those seats when I've got a better seat at home, and I don't have to fight the traffic by watching it on my couch. Well, the one thing that the pandemic did, you know, it 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 changed people's habits, and it, you know, people realize there are alternatives, and you know, that I think is if I were in the business of sports, that would worry me a little bit. Um, just whether that's completely coming back, you know, the Miles College crowd and the Robert Morris crowd were just number of people there in the arena were two of the smaller I ever remember yeah. seeing yeah. At, a, at a Kentucky basketball game. Me too. Up in that one end zone, there was hardly anybody sitting up in the one end zone behind the eruption zone, up at, up up top there, and there were plenty. There were plenty of empty seats, you know, here and there in the lower bowl as well. So. Yeah, to me, what's been different because you know there have been some empty seats up top at, for these kind of early season games in past. What's been different both this year and nineteen twenty, the last year before the pandemic, there were a lot of empty seats in the lower arena for these early games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, we got a busy week this week uh, with UK athletics. Like I said, the Tuesday game. Well, I know. Uh, yeah, t- yeah, Tuesday two foot. Two basketball games, Tuesday and Friday, and football game on Saturday. And then they turn around and have another basketball game on Monday. So we're going to be very busy this week. So be sure and keep up with all our coverage. Mark Stoops has his weekly luncheon tomorrow uh, at noon. So uh, look for – will be plenty of tweets uh, coming from us out of that. Uh, be sure and follow Mark on Twitter this week, Mark C. Story. Read his columns both online at Kentucky.com and in the print edition of The Herald Leader. And, Mark, as always, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks, John. 
Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clark Podcast. My thanks to Mark Story. Follow him on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Check out his columns on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of Their Old Leader. As I mentioned, we got a basketball game Tuesday night, Kentucky versus Mount St. Mary's. That's a 7 o'clock start at Rupp Arena. We have another basketball game on Friday, Kentucky versus Ohio University. That is also a 7 o'clock start at Rupp Arena. And then the football game on Saturday, Kentucky and New Mexico State at noon. On all three of those, I'll have live updates on my blog, on the John Clay Sidelines blog. I have a dedicated Twitter feed uh, and more information on those games, uh, scores, stats, observations. Be sure and check out that on my blog, the John Clay Sidelines blog as well. Well, I'll have my takeaways from all three of those games. Mark will have his five things you need to go from, you need to know from all those games as well. So be sure and check that out on Kentucky.com. Thanks again to Mark and thanks again to everybody who listens to the podcast. And we'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast. <laughs>